the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we close the week out here on Way of Grace, we do so with a final look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 12. The prophet of spiritual gifts, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Part 3. all of the gifts that are listed for us here in 1 Corinthians 12 together, what do you come up with? What does it look like in the body of Christ? Well, that is what we're focused on today as we come to a conclusion in our little mini-series, The Prophet of Spiritual Gifts, Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. We're in 1 Corinthians 12, as I mentioned a moment ago, verses 7 through 12, and today it's the glory of the Spirit and His gifting the body with these gifts. It's a concerted look at verses 12 and 13 in our text. The Spirit unifies us in this baptism, edifies in the gospel of Christ, and the Spirit satisfies us with the person of Christ. That's what we have on tap today. We invite you to join us and be encouraged in our understanding of the Spirit at work in our lives. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. It was a miracle of languages that took place because languages would be part of the gifts given by the Spirit of God to the church to be able to break into nations and preach Jesus directly to those nations without those nations having to, as it were, teach the Jewish person how to speak in that particular dialect or language. So Paul made it clear in 1 Corinthians 14 how this works. So when we're looking at this term, he gave to another diverse kinds of tongues. That word kinds there is our term for genos, or what we would call categories of species. The best way to explain it quickly is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 47, where Jesus gave the parable of the dragnet. The kingdom of God is like a dragnet when it's cast into the sea. That dragnet brings in all what? Kinds of what? Fish. Now they're all fish, but they're different kinds of fish. One major species with different categories. This is what we call uh, microevolution. Is that not what we call it? Where within the species category, you get distinctions, clearly distinct, distinct categories of fish. So when I go out fishing with my brothers out in, uh, in the bay. I know, watch this now, when I'm catching rock cod and when I'm catching halibut. The difference between a rock cod and a halibut is very obvious. Isn't that right, brothers? Now they're both fish, but they're different kinds of fish. And here's the problem with what goes on in many of our churches today. Whenever you hear people speaking in what is called a heavenly language, It all sounds the same. It all sounds the same. Indistinguishable. Are you hearing me? Just 
a bunch of noise. It all sounds the same. But if you hear different languages, you can hear a distinction in the languages, even though you don't understand the interpretation. Let me show you a few fundamentals in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Remember what we learned? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is about sobriety. Be careful, you who think you stand, lest you fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is about priority. I would have you to know that the head of Christ is God and that the head of man is Christ and that the head of the woman is the man. That order is being violated all over the place today, including in the church. Chapter 12 is actually about what we call charity. Chapter 12 is unity. That's what we are, unity. And chapter 13 is charity. Chapter 14 is called clarity. In chapter 14, Paul is correcting the errors of the children of Corinth as they are exhibiting these gifts in a way that is not showing unity, harmony, and charity. So what he does in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is tell them, you guys need to operate in order, you need to operate in edification, and you need to operate in clarity. We actually call it the CEO of 1 Corinthians 14, right? Clarity, edification, and order. That means even if you do have the gift of languages, that gift of languages has to be employed the right way in order for it to be edifying. And in order for it to be edifying, it must be done in order. Y'all do know that, right? Where it is not done in order, it is not edifying. Where it is not done in edification, it is not clarifying. Where it is not clarifying, it is not of God. God is not the author of what? Confusion. Did y'all hear what I just stated? So watch how Paul puts this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, just so that you can know. For me, the fundamental problem that I have with my Pentecostal friends who would assert that they are free to exhibit this gift, the way in which they do it is wrong. At best, if you are going to claim and own the gift of speaking in tongues, which you will have to justify grammatically and biblically, that's your burden. At best, if you do it in the church, I should never hear you. At best, if you do it in the church, I should never hear you. The Apostle Paul made it clear, let him or her or them keep silent in the church. That if a tongue is exercised as a gift, there better be an interpreter. So here's the way the apostle puts it, just to help you guys understand how this works. I'm going to just pick out a few of the verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that will kind of line this up for you as we are dealing with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, will you notice what it says in verse 5? I would that you all spake with tongues, but more than that, I would that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that what? Now notice what he does. He uses the word tongues in the plural here. Why? Because he's speaking to them in a multitude. I would that all of you spake in languages. But more than that, I would rather that you prophesy. So he's categorizing prophecy over languages, is he not? I'd rather that you have a direct impact on people's lives by speaking into their lives words that are easy to understand so that they can know God, be saved, and worship God. I'd rather you not put people through the trouble of them listening to you say something that they don't understand. Which is what these crazy Pentecostals do all the time, somehow thinking that they are, you know, kind of, what are they doing? They're thinking they're persuading us to want to join in. The natural tendency when you hear something you don't understand is to repulse you. And naturally so. 
because they're offending your sense of judgment. They're telling you you're on the outside. And the only way you can get in is to suspend your rational, logical uh, discernment capacity and just kind of jump in with both hands. Don't ever jump. Don't ever jump. If God wants you in, he can put you in. Don't ever jump in. Because people have jumped in and have learned how to use that language and still don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> he says over in, uh, in, in, in verse, um, verse 14, these words, look at what he says in verse 14. For I pray in, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, and that word unknown shouldn't be there. If I pray in a tongue, and now he's speaking in the singular, you see it? My spirit prayed, that is my gift prayed, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is he inferring? That you can have the gift of a language, but you don't have the gift of interpretation. So now you're really reined in because if you don't have the gift of interpretation, you can't prophesy. In other words, you can't edify. And if you can't edify, you have to keep your mouth shut. Y'all following what I'm saying? And then Paul does something really interesting, which really... uh, uh, affirms the importance of it. He makes it very clear that he has spoken in tongues in, in many ways. He says over in um, uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 18, I thank my God that I speak with more tongues, plural, than you all. Do you see it? More tongues. And what is he saying? He's not saying that he walks around speaking in the all day long. He's not saying that. He's not saying that. He's saying that he has more gifts of languages than all of them in Corinth. And that he employs them wherever God wants to work and using that gift among people who have that particular language so he can declare the gospel to them. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? So it's very important for you to understand that what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 14 is reigning in the gift so that the gift operates in a manner that honors God and glorifies Christ. And unfortunately, you don't see that going on in many assemblies today. And I've stated it before. I'll state this as I'll move on with my points. And I'm not here to fully argue for or against this. I'm just laying down a fundamental rule. If somehow you believe you have that gift, you better hold it to yourself. You ought not to offend anyone in the church by you opening your mouth and speaking in a tongue that you can't interpret. You are offending your brother. And when you hear pastors do it, pray for them because they're sinning. Every time they say, I can't help myself. Well, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Paul says the spirit is subject to the prophet. That the prophet has the capacity to hold his tongue. And by the way, for all of us, God gives us grace to restrain ourselves. Don't ever say you can't help yourself. The Holy Ghost does not force you to do anything. Don't ever say you can't help yourself. The spirit of God is never a tyrannical entity making you do something against your will. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So a lot of times we are doing this uh, in the name of somehow I can't help myself or in the name of influencing people. And we are actually doing injury to the glory of God and the gospel of Christ. This is very important for you guys to understand that. So this, this matter of languages where the apostle Paul has some real concerns about it. He made that fully clear. We can develop that down the line. Go back. Let's deal with that last category that he's dealing with back in first Corinthians chapter 12. So we can wrap this up in first Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what he says. Not only does he assert that the gift of, uh, of, of, of languages is given diverse kinds of languages, but then to another, the interpretation of tongues. See that? 
Now, again, I don't want to be here long, but it becomes very evident that we are dealing with a problem in our Pentecostal churches, our churches open to the charismata, where everybody has the gift of tongues, but no one has the gift of interpretations. Y'all walking with me? Now, why, if the Holy Spirit is the one giving out gifts, he's the one giving gifts out sovereignly as he chooses, and he gives a whole bunch of people the ability to speak in languages the rest of us don't know. And then they get to going at it. And we're all going, what, 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 what? And yet he doesn't give the gift of interpretations. He is promoting chaos in the body of Christ. And God forbid that the Holy Ghost would promote chaos in the body of Christ. The Holy Ghost would give interpretations equal to the giving of the gifts to make sure that the end result of the gift is that it interprets the glory of God in Christ so that prophecy comes forth so we can all be edified. Is that right? And so I think we have a problem in our churches today. Either the Holy Ghost is kind of having amnesia about the application of the gifts or the gifts are coming from a different place. And we've got to be concerned about that. Because Paul was very much concerned about that. He deals with that very radically and polemically in verses 26 and following. We won't deal with that. In our text here, what we discovered that we have nine gifts that are being employed at this time. I'm going back to 1 Corinthians 12 so I can move to my last point. Shut it down. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says in verse 8, for to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, by the spirit, the word of wisdom, and to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit, two gifts. To another, faith, and we talked about that, by the same spirit. Another, the gift of healing. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. And then one, discerning of spirits, that's what we saw. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. And again, I, I tell you, you need to understand that as categorically different as the diverse kinds of fish brought in by the dragon. And to another, interpretation of tongues. Nine gifts here. He does talk about other gifts over in verse 28. Notice what it says. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles. And then gifts of healing, helps, government, and what? Diversity of tongues. Now, notice what he does in verse 28. He brings up tongues as a last category, as he does in verse 8 through 10. He brings up tongues as a last category because the gift of tongues is subordinate to all of those other gifts. And what he's saying to the church at Corinth is, you're making all kinds of do, of ado about the gift of tongues, but you're still not persuading men and women to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're trapped in a community where paganism is rampant with this kind of behavior, and you are assimilating to the culture rather than winning the culture to Christ, because to win the culture to Christ is to preach the gospel plainly and clearly. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 14. How can a person respond if the blowing of the trumpet is not crystal clear? And so what he's telling us here by putting the gift at the bottom of the content level is that it is the most insignificant one. He's doing that on purpose to admonish the church at Corinth. Now let's get to the final, what I would call summation of Paul's exhortation here. Will you look at verse 11 and 12? This is where I'm going to close. Verse 11 and 12 of 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, it says, but all these worketh that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many, 
watch this, are what? One body, so also is Christ. What is he pressing home? The aim of the work in the spirit by the gifts that he employs is to bring about a manifestation of the unity of the body of Christ. That when the Holy Ghost is done working, what people see are men and women who walk in maturity, in clarity, in edification, and in order. So when they look at us as a whole composite, what they see is Jesus. That what men and women do not see when we are all exercising our gifts independently is some chaos and some confusion and the hand here and the foot here and the head there. That's a schizophrenic body of which he says in the same chapter, there should be no schisms among you. But ladies and gentlemen, there are schisms riddled through the church because of this very carnality, which brings the inferred question, is the spirit behind chaos? Is the spirit of God behind confusion? Is the spirit of God promoting this kind of childish behavior of acting up and clowning and tearing up everything in the name of Jesus? The answer is no. The work of the spirit of God is to take natural men and women, redeem them, fill them with the spirit and work through them supernaturally for the glory of God. But as a unit, as a team, as a team. And what should cause men and women to, to marvel, watch this now, is that people from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, folks like you and I, where we don't know each other, we come from different backgrounds and different cultures and different places, and we wouldn't hang out with each other for nothing uh, in the world if it wasn't the grace of God, if it wasn't for the person of Christ, if it wasn't for the unity of the Spirit, we wouldn't have the kind of koinea that we do. If it wasn't for the Spirit of God, all these colored folks y'all see in this room, we wouldn't be hanging out, let alone working in a way that brings about unity, edification, and satisfaction. That's your last point. Look at it. A few observations, we're gone. Yeah. If you had a PowerPoint, pull it up. Last PowerPoint. Look at it. The glory of the Spirit's gifting of the body. There's three things. The Spirit unifies us. Are you in agreement with that? He unifies us and he unifies us in baptism. Paul makes that assertion very clear, does he not? Verse 13, notice what he says. For by one spirit are we what? All baptized into one body. See it? Now your unity is in our being brought into union with Jesus Christ by his spirit. Now watch this. I want you to get this. And the form of expression of that unity is signified by baptism itself. Please hear me now, that when the Spirit of God brings us into union with Jesus Christ, what we look like is what baptism signifies. A bunch of people who have died to themselves in the person of Christ, been buried with Christ, and then raised together with Christ so that the life we live now is by the newness of the life of Jesus Christ working in us. Do you guys hear me? That's what that means. That's the language he used over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Pull it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2. This is the language. I want you to get the vision before I close. He says, and, we were all, and they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. He's getting ready to use the analogy of the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt. Y'all remember that? Egypt 
that place of slavery and bondage that kept all of God's people until Moses and Aaron came and busted them out, right? And then when God destroyed Egypt, which is a picture of Christ on the cross, he opens up the Red Sea, does he not? And the whole nation is walking through the Red Sea. Paul says that was their baptism. Will you hear me? They all experience the same thing. A wall of water rising up some 200 feet, a half mile wide. So almost 2 million people walk through a miracle. A miracle that pointed to the death of Jesus Christ, the grounds of our cleansing, the grounds of our deliverance, the grounds of our freedom. Watch this now. And we all went through together. All at one time, they were baptized. The word baptized means to be identified with, brought into union with. The whole world realized that this people group were one. They went in as one. They came out as one. And here's what he says in verse 3. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3. And they did all eat the same what? So as they are making their way through the wilderness, God feeds them with manna from heaven. And that manna from heaven is one thing. Jesus Christ, our Lord, he is the bread of life. He is the living bread. He's the bread that if a man eat, he'll never hunger again. He is the bread of life from Genesis to Revelation. We feed on Jesus Christ. So he unifies us and he edifies us. Because see, going through that wilderness, you got to be strengthened to make that journey. And Christ is our meat, is he not? He's our meat. But then Paul goes on to say in verse 4 these words. And they all did drink that same spiritual drink. Do you see it? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was what? Christ. Now we have the third person working through the second person. The second person is the rock. We don't drink the rock. We drink from the rock. When the rock is claved, the water comes out, and we drink of the water of life because of the crucified Christ. Y'all got that, right? Jesus said it in John 7, 37, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. And he out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water by which he declared when the spirit would come, men and women would come to know Christ, not only in the unifying work of his crucifixion, not only in the edifying work of him being the bread of life, but in the satisfying work of the spirit of God. Think about the notion. Does Christ satisfy you? Does he content your soul? Does Jesus bring about for you a settling about who God is? Does he make you happy? When you hear about Christ in terms of all that he's done for you, all that he's doing in you and all that he will do for you, does your soul rest satisfied that you are complete in Christ? Do you find that in Jesus Christ, you have everything necessary for life and godliness so that you are not running around looking for other lovers. This is a really pertinent question because it's one thing to be unified in Christ corporately. It's another thing to feed on Christ 
on an experiential level in terms of the preaching of the gospel. And many of you have for years. But can you say my soul is satisfied with the presence of the Spirit of God working in me the revelations of the glory of Christ so that not only am I no longer hungry, I'm no longer thirsty. My soul is satisfied with the reality of all that Jesus is for me. It's a kind of contentment that Paul says godliness with contentment is great gain. And if you're running around looking for something else, you're probably not drinking. You probably haven't tasted the refreshing, soul-satisfying water of the Spirit of God making Jesus a reality in your soul. If he has, then you've learned how to walk in unity. You've, heard, you've learned how to walk in edification. You've learned how to walk in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Our goal here on the broadcast is that you grow in your walk and relationship with Christ, that you find yourself useful in His hands to the glory of His kingdom. Questions and comments about the broadcast can be directed to our phone number or our website or by writing to us. You can write to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Also, take advantage of past messages delivered by Pastor Jesse and guest pastors. It's free for the download. Again, grace-bible.com. If you'd rather contact us by phone, maybe you have a question or comment about the broadcast. Maybe you'd like a CD copy of today's message. Call us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you enjoy the good old-fashioned way of getting in touch with folks, the U.S. mail, our address is Way of Grace, 22768 Main Street. That's right here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. As you reach out to us for whatever reason, we would also ask you to prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially. If you have added financial resources at your discretion, we would ask you to consider joining us as we present the gospel on a daily basis here on Way of Grace. This is a listener-supported ministry, and as you link arms with us, it ensures that we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. Please consider that as you get a hold of us, and then join us again next time as our study in God's Word continues, that you might find yourself on His way of grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.